Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, Now, up to to bat, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Boone. And today on the program, I sit down with the skipper of the Yankees. We're going to discuss everything Aaron's been doing, Aaron's been watching this postseason thus far. We're 21 now the uh, Texas Rangers in the lead. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, Aaron Boone. Hello. How are we doing? I'm, we're doing good. We're doing good. How much you've been watching? You've been watching the whole thing? I watched almost none of game three because I got home from uh, pick, picking up Bella at a little Halloween thing. <laughs> I got I walked in and Seager at home, it was five nothing. Then it was 10 nothing. I was like, oh, I don't need to watch this one. So, but I've been, you know, watching a good amount of the postseason, uh, at least a little bit. I feel like of pretty much every game. What's the. Uh... During the season, and I've never asked you about this because um, mm-hmm. I know what I would do. During your regular season, off day or rare, you know, rare afternoon game where everybody else is playing in the evening. Once you're done with your game, you done? You you tune in to other games? Uh, <clears throat> all right. So day game, we get home. Um I probably have it. I probably have it on on some level. Like a day game, if we're at home and it's summertime, you know, usually, usually I'll meet Laura and Bella for dinner or something, and then you know I'll come back and there may be a game of interest that I have that I I, I will probably throw on, yeah. Uh, and and then same with an off day, if, you know, off day on the road or whatever, you know, you may. <clears throat> you know, try and have those rare days where you have one to yourself. You may, you know, work out, plan a, plan a dinner, maybe with some coaches or with some staff or whoever, wherever you may be. Um, and then usually we're rounding up and, you know, a, me and a coach or two or three will get in my room and we usually have baseball on. Well, that sounds, <laughs> that sounds great. I mean, you're doing 162 and Hey, you want to watch a ball game? That sounds, that sounds yeah, really you know, great. We do that a lot. Like, uh, you know, most, most, uh, you know, most road trips, you know, when we get back even from a night game, you know, I'll usually have, you know, Mendy and Hark will usually come by my room and, 
and you know we'll have MLB Network on or whatever, and whatever the late game is. So we're watching usually a West Coast game when we get home uh, after a night game on the road. Playoff format um, for me, uh, you know, I like okay. The the player in me likes the old school format, you know, especially if we go back to our childhood and when Dad's playing. You got the East and the West. And it was, man, it was 162, and that 162 was critical uh, because there were only te- two teams standing in each league at the end. It was one playoff, and then you're in the World Series. So much tougher to get to the postseason back in the day. Once you get there, not as tough a schedule to get through all these landmines. Now, from the from the ex-player, from the baseball fan standpoint, I like having 12 teams in. You know, it's a lot easier to get there, but I think it adds a lot more excitement. A lot more cities get to be involved a lot longer. We're, we're in past past years. You know, a lot of teams are eliminated by the All-Star break. They know they're done. I, I think it's good for the game. I think it's good for the brand. But you're hearing a lot of scuttle uh, with the Baltimores this year winning 100-plus games. Atlanta Braves, who was, was kind of the consensus, was the best team in baseball this year. They won 104. The Dodgers win 100 games. The Dodgers a year ago win 111 games and get bounced early by the Padres. Uh, Tampa Bay this year, 99 games when they were out in the first round. How do you like the format? Uh, well, take it from a manager standpoint and take it from – uh, a baseball fan standpoint and if there were anything to change I'll, I'll give you my thoughts on on the changes i'd like to see very very minimal but uh, i want to hear your your take as a baseball fan and as the manager all right so i think they've done um a pretty good job of um like you said adding more teams so 12 teams now you know it's still you know 18 teams are, are going home. So you still got to, you know, put together a pretty good season to get in. And I think that does create more buzz and more places, more teams fighting for it at the end. Um, while also trying to maintain the integrity of the 162 game season, which ultimately is what our game is about, you know, and you've got to respect that. And therefore, you know, trying to, you know, the top two record teams in the in the league that are division winners get that by and get that home field. Um, so I do think that's a good thing. You know, on some level, I agree with you. Like there's something about the four teams that make the playoffs and championship series into World Series, you know, kind of how we grew up is uh, is the ultimate uh, reward for, for excelling in the 162. But I think they've threaded the needle pretty well here. The reality is, you know, TV and all that, you you know, you, you got to have in 2023 more teams in a playoff situation. Now, baseball, probably more so than than any other sport, maybe other than maybe hockey, where you get that hot goalie um, is a little more. Anything can kind of happen when you get a lot of teams involved. Um, now, I think a lot of the talk this year is you know, obviously around those teams you mentioned, the the best teams in baseball throughout the year getting bounced early. And was it because they had the four or five day layoff? There may be a small something to that, but I think it's that. I think it's just small. I think it's the randomness of baseball where you get in the best of five 
anything can happen and will happen. Um, but I think that's a little bit of the randomness of the game. And, and, and not saying this after the fact, but I went into this postseason saying, all right, in my opinion, like the Atlanta Braves are the best team in baseball. But I also felt like they were going to get ousted. You know, there was just something about we played them in the summer and they throttled us. But there was something about them, just, you know, depth of pitching, whatever it may have been, that I just felt like they were going to lose along the way. And I felt like going into this playoff, parity in the game right now is 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 there. You know, I mean, they're, you know, even when, you know, I, when I started managing in 18, 18 and 19, there were, there were still a lot of teams in the doldrums or rebuilding and not very good. I felt like the last couple of years, you know, there's even the teams that aren't great, that 20, 25 teams that can absolutely, you know, take a series from you. So I feel like parity is a big deal right now. And I think that's more of the reason we've had some of the quote unquote upsets in the round more so than the rust that the teams that get a buy uh, experience. No, I think you're right too, and I laugh because you'll you'll have you know whoever it may be critics say, "Oh, it's the same teams." You know, let's just go back to you know 2015, 16. Let's go back to early 2000s when it was Yankees and Boston, and and uh, people the critics would say, "Oh, it's the same two teams." There's no parity in baseball. Now all of a sudden, for me, this is very entertaining seeing the Texas Rangers play a gritty. Arizona Diamondbacks that nobody thought was going to be there. And now you're having the critics saying, oh, the best teams aren't there. All right, so what do you want? Do you want the same teams? <laughs> or do you want this parody that we have? And I, I think it's it's great. You are, Arizona has blown my mind on the way they've the way they've kept going against all odds, you know, they won 84 games. Okay. That's one thing, but people say as they were getting to the end of the year, they were hitting their stride and they were better than an 84 win team. Well, they've proven that they kind of are better question for the, here. Here's what I have. I love the fact they got rid of the one game playoff. I thought that was ridiculous. Play 162 games and it comes down to one game. And maybe your, your ace pitcher on the mound has a blister that day and he's out in the first Your 162 is for not it's over. They've made it a three game series. Okay. A little bit better. But I think when you mentioned baseball and how fickle it is and how it's different and maybe hockey is a good, good comparison with the goalie situation. The longer the series for baseball, the better chance you have to, to, to get a true winner out of that series. Now, you guys play a ton of games. You open spring training, you got 30 games that don't even count. Now you get into 162 games, and now you've got this playoff format that is long and is longer than it's ever been. You're going to have some pushback from the union. You're going to have the uh, from the Players Association. Uh, you can't just keep stacking games on these guys. Um but where is that sweet spot for, for me? And tell me what you think. I, I love the seven game series. I think the seven game series proves who's the better team. You talk about depth, the deeper pitching staff in the three game series in the five game series, it's all comes down to, you know, for a, for a Texas Rangers, you're going to go Evaldi. You're going to go Montgomery. And then you're going to try to go back to Evaldi at some point. So maybe you don't even use a third starter. Uh, you get into those seven games, you're going to see a third starter. You're going to see a fourth starter. Yesterday was a bullpen game uh, for for Arizona. 
and they get blown out. Well, they didn't get blown out. In the end, it was 11 to 7. I don't think the score was as close as as the end score. Um, but, but you get into it. It's like, oh, all right, who do we got third? Who do we have fourth? Uh, I think the better team in the long run wins. I just don't know. I don't have a perfect formula for you either. I don't know what you do to get those true seven-game sets where it's a battle, and usually the better team comes out. Uh, yeah, I, 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 there's no perfect system. I think from entertainment value standpoint, uh, I'm very entertained as a baseball fan. Like I don't care who's playing. It's like, these games have been pretty good and there's been back and forth. So I think as a fan, I'm, I'm, uh, satisfied, but I'd really like that perfect form. And I don't know what it is. Yeah. You know, you might be able to mess one thing. I, I, I think you talk about trying to have the best team win. Um, <clears throat> do you eliminate some off days? You know, so, you know, you, you obviously have those off days where you travel, you know, after, you know, in that first round, you have two off days in a five-day series, which is, um, you know, in the first four games, you know, so that allows a team with maybe less depth in their pitching to kind of survive and thrive a little bit more. So you could, and they did that in 2020, um, in the in the the COVID year, they I think the first round we played like five seven days in a row, and you know that tests the depth of your pitching. You can't just you know, uh, you know you you better have a third or a fourth starter that's viable, and you know it makes it harder for you know you get into some of these situations where you're coming out of an off day. You know if you got a good bullpen, you can bullpen it and. And that's a tough thing for for hitters to have to face when when they're when you got a rested bullpen and they can just match up for all game long. Yeah, I don't think I don't think there's a perfect formula, but there's some things I think, and they're probably the wheels are probably spinning right now. How can we make this better? Um, I don't know. It's like I want to punish the '84 win team and go. Okay, you're here. We allowed you to be here, but you're going to have to really prove and work for it. Right. And that 104 win team, I want to set this up as good for you as I can cuz you've earned it over 162. Yeah, and, and you're going to get you, you you're going to go ahead. Do you eliminate the off day right after the season? Right, just you have to go right in. I don't give you a day to set up and get your your guy right. that's that's more uh apt and, to win a ball game. And then do you start the next series you know, on, th- on Thursday. Now, obviously you get, you get weather in some places that can throw a wrinkle into that. But now the one thing they've done is they've taken out these, these built-in play t- where you're playing off uh, each other, like to play into the playoffs with the tiebreakers. So right. you probably shouldn't have to, you know, play that, you know, that Monday after the end of the regular season, there's probably a scenario where you could just say, all right, that first wild card round starts on Monday. It's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and maybe the first series are starting Thursday. So it's like, you got to roll right into it. Uh, does that give that team that, that has earned to buy, you know, even a little bit more of an advantage. Um, but look, I think it's one of those years where, again, I think a lot of these teams are fairly even, 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 the teams that have made it through compared to the Braves, the Orioles, um, the teams that, that got ousted early, but you know, it didn't affect the Phillies waiting around, you know, they went right. cold from game five, six, seven in the playoffs against Arizona. And, yep. and had that happened coming out of their buy, it would have been because of the buy and the, and the rust. 
they were in the midst of it. <laughs> and the rust. You're right. You can't. We, we got shut down out of the blue. Like you right. wouldn't have seen that coming, right? That's that's baseball, and that's the nature of the playoffs. Right. Facing good teams, and you know, hitters get shut down, even really good ones sometimes, in in, in small samples. Yeah, no, and I agree with you. I mean, we can't we can't continue to just make excuses for these teams that got ousted. Oh, is this enough rest for you? This is too much rest. It's exactly. like the bottom line is. We all get rest sometimes. We all go to the all-star break. Okay, so is it not fair for the great teams the first day out of the all-star break? It's like at some point, you've got to be accountable and say, this is baseball, and we've got to win. And I don't care if we have to wait three or four days. The best team, come out of that and and, and win a ball game instead of, oh, I'm rusty or I'm not not ready. Can we have a do-over? You know, I won 104 games. I I mean, you know this, the nature of hitting. It's 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 a game of failure. It's, so, it's fickle. So it's like people and, and I get asked this question all the time when we're getting somebody back from injury and they're like, Well, how long do you think it'll take? It may take he he's locked in tonight. It right? may take a week. You know, it's you know, it's like you you've why do you come out in spring training out and start the season like, man, I feel great, I'm locked in. Sometimes it takes you a while. That's even for good really good players, and that's that's just the nature of of hitting sometimes. Right. I mean, how many times you've been to spring training and go, I wish the season was starting tomorrow and it's the seventh day. And some days I'm on day 29 going, I hope it clicks here soon because the, the bell rings soon. So <laughs> it, there's no, there's no perfect storm. And, and it's interesting. The questions you're asked because you know, what we did for our entire life, you're going to get those questions asked, but I don't have a true answer. You're right. Sometimes I'm ready to go week one of spring training. And sometimes I need, I wish we had an extra week of spring training. So there's no perfect answer. All right. Regular season. You mentioned you played Atlanta and your impression of Atlanta. You thought they, they were vulnerable. And at, at certain points of the season, they were better than they were at others. I, I, I questioned it a little bit too going in the postseason with that pitching. There was a lot of there was a lot of knickknack injuries and they didn't make it. But your interpretation of playing with the new schedule, everybody plays everybody. Uh the Rangers over the course of the season when you played them and the Diamondbacks when you played them. Your thoughts at that time. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus um, yeah, so, um, you want the Rangers and the Diamondbacks? Is that what? Rangers and the Diamondbacks, what yeah. you All saw right. during the season. Yeah, so, you kind of knew this was happening with Texas, right? Texas, being a financially big player, 
but going through the rebuild that they went through several years ago to put themselves in a good position. And you started, and obviously last year, Chris Young comes in and they go out and get Simeon and Seager. And you're like, okay, they're moving through. They've got their prospect pool that they've gone through this rebuild, you know, with Young coming, uh, with some of these other guys that, you know, have we've seen emerge now. Um, so you started to see it, even though they weren't very good yet last year, but you knew they were building towards this now. We faced them, I think it was April. I think it was early. We went to Texas in a four-game series. We were coming from Minnesota where uh, Judge <clears throat> Judge slid into third and, and kind of tweaked himself a little bit, so he missed the series. He missed like a – he went, this was not the toe thing, but he missed like a – I think he, we ended up ILing him. He went on – just for the 10 days. So he missed that series um, and they bludgeoned us. They beat us three out of four in Texas and their offense was, was, uh, was very apparent. Like you, you knew like this was a deep, deep offensive team. We faced Evaldi in that series and he dominated. And we also faced DeGrom and he dominated for whatever four innings. And that was the game he, he, end of the season like it was the fourth or fifth inning and they had to go out and get them and and that was the end of the season but I think right away I felt like they were pretty good we we played them later in the season I believe in maybe August July or August in in New York and we actually beat them two out of three but you were still like offensively it was a very very good team uh and and I think we knew that from Jump Street um Arizona, we actually played the final, you know, week of the season. We played them at home and beat them two out of three. Um, and it was my first look in person of like Corbin Carroll, Alec Tom, <clears throat> Alec Thomas, who I was really impressed with how he moved around. Um, <clears throat> Walker, they had brought Fam over, who was playing well. Um, you know, I felt like position player wise, very good. Um, very athletic, really good defensive team, obviously ran the bases well with their athleticism, had more of a more thump than they're probably getting credit for. Like it's a team that can, you know, hit the ball a little bit too. Um, and felt like they had some good pieces in the bullpen. Um, you know, I'm a little surprised they got to this point because I thought, man, in the rotation, to get through it all, like, are they going to be short? You know about Gallon, you know about Merrill Kelly, but beyond that, what we're going to see. We saw Fott, uh in that series against us. I think we we beat them. We beat them up a little bit. So I was just going in. I was like, can Arizona really get you know to the big dance with enough starters? Um, and they 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 found a way and managed their way. And I think they've leaned a lot on you know, the overall strength of their team, which is kind of their versatility, their athleticism. They've done a good job matching up in the pen. I think Tory's done a good job with that bullpen. Um, but it's a little surprising to me just because I didn't see Fott doing this in the postseason to give them that legit number three. And then uh, they've been able to piece together in that, in that four spot. Well, Fott's throughout the postseason, Fott's arguably been better than Gallon, who was there yeah. you know, for a lot of the yeah, year, was, but... the Cy, was the Cy Young. Yeah. Um, a little bit 
little bit on Boach and Lavelle. You mentioned Tory, and he has made a lot of moves. And and you know me, I sit at home and I go, "What are you doing in that particular situation?" I've questioned some of his moves. Uh, taking Miller out in the fifth inning, and I, I forget which game it was, uh, which playoff round. Oh, the Philly game. Yeah, and I'm looking at him. Go, what are you doing? And and he's pissed, and he's going, "Skip, what are you doing? You watch, you watch how I'm throwing right now." Ended up working out for him. So I tipped my cap. He he did every move he made seemed to work, and it got him to the World Series. When you're watching a game now, mm-hmm. uh, you watch it through the eyes of a player, or are you watching through the eyes of a Bochi or a Tori Lovello? What moves they're going to make, and are you hypercritical of that, or you just think, no, I'm just watching a game? Yeah, um, probably more through the manager's lens now. You know, every now and then you'll you get a picture that you're watching that you you know picture yourself in there a little bit as a hitter but more more probably through the manager's lens um i'm never that hypercritical just because i know all the moving parts and you know what's going on with your guys better than anything and there may be something that's a little different in that moment so um but i'm definitely thinking along with them you know like there was there was the texas houston game um where what was it game six i believe where uh Evaldi went six he sent him back out for the seventh he got one out and then there was a guy on and they went to the pen and a lot of people were like well how are they going to piece together they go spores chapman uh uh leclerc and i, I was like you know I, I think they're definitely uh going to try and get to the finish line with these two guys. So you, you kind of know who you kind of see the trust tree evolve and, and that continues to evolve not only through the season and different points of the season, but into the playoffs as well. So you kind of know what sometimes each manager is thinking, man, if I can get this guy to this point, I can finish this game with these two guys. So um, yeah, I, I think you're watching more through, you know, what the manager's lens are, especially with the teams that you're super familiar with or that you've played recently that you, you've you kind of strategized against that you know what they might try to do. So, uh, yeah, I'm watching it more through Boach and, and Tory's lens. Oh, and I think, you know, and this is a good this is a good segue to the people out there watching or listening that watch games and throw their hands up and go, how, how could they do that, make that move? I think you made a good point. When you're on the ground, when you live with these guys for 162 games, there's little things that you know or have a plan or there's an understanding between you and a particular player that nobody on the outside that's not in the, in the know really – really understands like, no, this is why we did this because of this, this, and this. And that's why I always take a step back now analyzing a game or, or I've got a report on a game. I think, well, there's underlying circumstances. There's, there, there's something going on there that I don't know the backstory to. And I think as fans, fans should look at it that way too. Why did he make that move? Well, this could have been pre predetermined uh, before the game even started. Like, this is our plan. Let's execute our plan. Everybody's on board here. So, no, as I move to this side of the ledger and I'm looking at it through that, through that lens, I'm a little more... Uh, understanding and i think okay i don't know all the parts moving here so this is why he made this you know i want to hear what he has to say after the game but there's probably a reason for that um i've had bochi on right before the right before uh the alcs 
And he was talking about he's won three World Series. Now, you've been to the postseason, I believe, four times. Uh, he says, Booney, definitely I manage different when I get to the postseason. I manage with a sense of urgency. It is different than the 162. Your experience as a manager in the postseason now, um, do you look at it differently than game 15 of the regular season? Well, obviously, it's more important, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, it's very different. Um, just in that um, in the regular season, you're always you're, – you're managing in the moment, certainly, but you're also managing – we got a game tomorrow. We got a game the next day. We got a game the next day. So there's certainly that value in, in especially starting pitchers, being able to give you innings to preserve, you know, your bullpen. And if you have a good bullpen, you've got to, you know, you're not going to go to the whip as much as you would, uh, you know, in the postseason where you might, you know, like last year in, in, in our Cleveland series, Wandy Peralta pitched all five games for us. And I think at one point it was like four in a row. Like, like we were just going to them because, you know, they had a part in their lineup where, you know, I think, you know, they went left, right, left. And it was kind of like that high leverage spot every night for Wandy Peralta for us. And he was so good in that series. Like you wouldn't do that in the regular season. And there's more of a premium for that starting pitcher, at least, getting you through the fifth or getting you through the sixth, or you might, you know, where a guy's where a starter maybe is, you know, scuffling a little bit, but you don't want to flip over your pen on a Tuesday when you're in the middle of 12 games in a row or something, you've got to bite the bullet a little bit in those situations in a playoff game. You're obviously going to be more inclined. It's hands, all hands on deck every night. And you've got to, you've got to, you know, as best you can, not let things get out of hand on, on certain situations. You notice the difference in players in the regular season, the postseason. I always find it fascinating. This postseason for me has been really interesting. I've really loved watching this, this Arizona team, seeing a Corbin Carroll that, that really didn't have that national stage all year, but you've heard a lot about. He's really impressive. I think he's going to be a great player for a long time. Thomas, you mentioned. I really like Thomas. Kid that's playing center field. They didn't always let him play against lefties. He's only 23 years old. But I think there's there's little cool stories that come out. I'm Marte. He's hitting 20 straight postseason games. Fam had a lot of criticism. Oh, he's in the three-hole. Fam's done a pretty darn good job for that team and fits in really well, and you can tell. Um I, I, I just think that the narratives are cool. Not always do the stars show up. And and to their to their uh defense a little bit, people don't understand sometimes when you're the key guy in that lineup and everybody is keying on you, it's a little tougher than being slipped in that six hole and not really talked about to to really come out and shine. I think the postseason's cool for that. That's what I like about it is guys, not necessarily the high-profile guys, sometimes come in and make a splash and make a name for themselves. And sometimes you do shut down a superstar. And he, he, he you know, until last night, Simeon, who got more hits than anyone in the American League this year, has really been scuffling that leadoff hole. You know, usually if he was anywhere short of the player that he is, he wouldn't be in that leadoff hole at this stage of the postseason. Boach stuck with him. He had a big game last night. Um, all right, switch subjects a little bit. We're not going to be here that much longer, but, uh, Aaron judge 
wins the Clemente Award. You you, you alluded to Aaron and, and that series when you said, well, we didn't have Judge. That's how important Aaron Judge is to that Yankees. You know, he's one of those players. He's a he's a uh, Shohei Otani. He's that important. He, for me, watching your team over the course of the season, and I made the I, I forget who I was talking to. I said Aaron Judge, in my opinion, is as important to that Yankees team as any player in this game is to their team. You know, you look at a Corey Seager, what a great player he is. A Mookie Betts, a Freddie Freeman, they're pretty important players. Acuna. Uh, for me, a, a Matt Olson, who had 50-plus homers this year. These are important superstar players. But I look pound for pound, and I look around every team. Aaron Judge, it, you could make an argument, but there's nobody more important to their team than him. Won the Roberto Clemente Award. You're all about watches. And for those of you listening, watching the Boone Podcast, uh, you'll see Aaron wear, wear his watch all the time. He actually hooked me up with one. I was shocked. <laughs> and we'll give it we'll give a shout out to vj by the way who's hanging out at the world series said to say hi uh, he's hanging out with our producer rich herrera and, and rich sent me this this morning he said you're doing uncle arnie today i said yeah he goes hey and he sent me vj's card he says vj says hi so vj from uh, or those are oris watches oris watches oris watches um aaron judge don't know him personally, watched him from afar. Obviously, unbelievable talent. Won the Roberto Clemente Award last night. I believe it was yesterday. You didn't meet him in Anaheim? I don't think I've met Judge. No, I haven't met I haven't met Judge. Uh, so I don't know him on a personal level. I, awful impressed. Uh, watching him, how obviously the playing goes without saying. The numbers are are what the numbers are, but I know that role. I know that stage. I know Yankee being a Yankee, being a captain of the Yankees. I watched Derek Jeter for years thread that needle perfectly, and always had a lot of respect for Derek. Not not how he played the game, not not the numbers he put up and the three thousand hits. That's all great, but I know how big of a platform that is, and he was kind of deemed the captain and there's something that comes with that and and i think Derek carried that that torch pretty darn good about as good as you can i see aaron judge and, and not that they're similar personality wise but i see him doing a really classy job about the way he goes about it the, the way he talks the things he says uh i think he I, I think the new york yankees are proud of aaron judge for how he the man he is on and off the field What's he really like? What's what's Aaron Judge like for your brother that doesn't know Aaron Judge? Yeah. Am I am I pretty accurate with my assessment? Yeah, he's as good as it gets. I mean, to have your superstar face of the franchise, captain player, um, be the way Aaron goes about it, um, you can't ask for anything more. Like he is a great guy, super accountable, um, has gotten better and better each and every year at being a leader and having a stronger voice and um you know obviously signing a long-term deal and officially becoming the captain i think has only you know raised his level of leadership and it's something that he continues to do well and continues to grow in um you know i want you know i watch him closely all the time to see the way he interacts all the time all the time with 
everyone he comes in contact with, um, you know, when we're on the road and, you know, we got tons of people around behind the rope or at home, you know, you got whatever hundreds of fans on the field that get the BP passes and are watching and he's super aware of who might be over there and where, you know, kids might be, he'll take a round or two and always go over there and make time for them. Um, his charity, um, you know, gives so much back. He's so involved in it. Um, he, there's a consistency with the way he carries himself and the way he treats everyone around him. Um, and then he's got that great killer instinct though, that, you know, great athletes and great players have, like he is, he'll rip your heart out and, and he plays the game with an edge. You know, you, you see, he's as cool as it comes. He's, I, I saw you talking about Mike Schmidt and how cool is Schmitty. Aaron, <laughs> has some, Aaron is just the way he moves, the way he hits a homer, the way he's very super cool. Um, but he's got an edge to the way he plays the game while also like, you know, he'll smile and shake your hand and talk to you even in the heat of competition, but he is, he's there to beat you. But the way he carries himself um, all the time and the way he treats people all the time, whoever he comes in, in contact with um, is, is something that I really admire about him. And, you know, uh, it's, it's been, it's been an honor to be his manager. You know, we, we've, we're in this thing together and, and, uh, we're trying to get to the top of the mountain together. Uh, but I, I couldn't ask for a, a better leader of our team than, than Aaron judge. Yeah. And we've both played with a lot of great players and, and guys that supposedly are supposed to be the leader of the team. Every, every great player doesn't have that quality, doesn't have that innate quality to just take the lead. You know, they're players. And they're great players. And sometimes we just ask you to be a great player because that's not in your personality. Seems to come really naturally for Aaron. And and it's not something forced like, oh, I signed this big contract. I'm supposed to be this guy. So I'll kind of force it. It's a natural leadership leadership quality he has. One of the things I love about him, and partly I think this is because, you know, he's so such a good player and he's so confident in his ability that he knows that over time he's going to, do the things that make him a great player. But to see him every single night, you know, we come in and when we win a game, we we have a little belt ceremony and we get everyone together in, in our locker room. And, you know, whoever's coming off player of the game the last time will give a speech about it. To see his joy in winning and to see his joy in his – teammates whether it be another star player on the team or whether it's the guy that just got called up that you know got player of the game to see his excitement and joy for those guys and their role in a win um is is one of the things i really enjoy uh about aaron he is about winning and 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 that's one one of the good things about our team i think playing for the yankees is you know you weed out a lot of that guys playing for their selfish um, like winning cures a lot of things in new york and when you don't uh it can be a little bit rough so uh aaron embodies like we're in this thing each and every day to win and you see his excitement whether he was 0 for 4 4 for 4 whatever in between like his 
joy for his teammates when they have successes is pretty cool to witness on a nightly basis. Uh, take me through quickly your off season. Now this year, obviously, uh, didn't go as to plan. You had a lot of injuries, a lot of setbacks. Didn't go to the postseason for the first time since you've been since you've been a Yankee. What's the first thing? How quick for the fans out there listening to the Boom Podcast? How quick does that? 2024 kick in for you like when do we start the season ends we go home you take you relax you breathe a little bit how quick do you get back and we're talking free agents trades addressing current players on the roster the minor leagues um you communicate with your players in the offseason i played for a lot of different managers some managers once that season ended, I shook their hand. And I didn't see them until the first day of spring training. Some managers I played for give me a call in the offseason. Booney, how you doing? Depending on the year, what was going on, uh, whether I was a young player, whether I was a veteran. If I was a veteran player, I might get a call from a skipper and go, Booney, what do you think about this? Um, when does that all start for you? Well, this year, uh, it started right away. You know, unfortunately, not making the playoffs um, you know, is, is rough especially especially when you're a Yankee you know we're obviously our expectations are to win the championship so you know we pretty much got to work right away we had a a, a large you know few day meeting in in Tampa right after the season with you know from ownership onto the front office and myself um you know really just diving in and where we can improve what we need to do now we're in the kind of the throws and, and a lot of this is front office related but you know starting to you know go through all the different organizations and you know making a, you know the getting all our scouting evaluations on different organizations the you know free agents to be this year so you're starting to lay that you know, foundation, you know, with where cash will be at the uh, general manager meetings uh, next week. So, you know, those those things start to shape, take shape. We're um, we're going through uh, hitting coach interviews to to hire a new coach. Um, I got Carlos Mendoza, our bench coach, is going through managerial inter interview processes. So we might have to, you know, replace even another coach so you're going through the those interviews to to fill out your coaching staff um but it never really stops you know especially for the front office you know where they're you know this is their time of year where they're uh it, it never really slows down i guess but but certainly right now is you know where they're really getting their ducks in a row to hopefully go out and, and have a really good winner um as far as you know tweaking and changing and uh add things to the roster. So uh, it never really starts, stops. And, and this year uh, it, it started almost right away. Okay. I think I could probably answer that. Now being your big brother, I kind of know how Aaron is. We're, we're people ask me all the time. I said, we're very different. We're oil and water, but a lot of, we do think a lot alike when it comes to, to sport and the game and strategies, but we're also very different in our personalities. Um, and I've got this question for you, and, and I, I'm interested to see how you answer it. How tough is it for you to turn it off? You mentioned New York. New York's a different animal, without a doubt. They, their, their expectations, to me, sometimes uh, 
unrealistic, but nevertheless, it's New York and what makes that city so great. And being a Yankee so great, those ridiculously high expectations. Uh, so it is tough. But is it easy for you to turn it off? Or this offseason right now, what still bugs you when you lay down at night? Because I know you. <laughs> and, 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 man, <laughs> you got that look at your face. What are you thinking about, Aaron? Uh, that damn, you know, could be three weeks ago. So is it easy for you to turn it off? And what are you thinking about now? What still keeps you up at night and going, damn it, if we would adjust? Yeah, all right. So, um, no, it's not easy to turn it off. Um, but I do feel like, um, you know, my faith and my family absolutely um, affords me perspective. So I, I never lose perspective on – um, you know, as, as thick as it gets sometimes and as heavy as it gets sometimes and even as stressful as it gets sometimes, you know, I always have the perspective of, you know, this is, uh, you know, I understand how much this matters and how much, it, how important it is. And it's my livelihood. And, um, but you also understand it's also not life and death either. And, um, that perspective never really fades. Um, but there's no doubt, like, when you're going through a rough stretch um, or a tough season, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you wake up, you know, you wake up in the morning and it's like it hurts a little more, <laughs> you know, like, Ugh. whereas when you're rolling and things are going well, you know, it's a little more, it's easier to be carefree and, and um, you know, enjoy life a little bit more, you know, but uh, as far as what, you know, what kind of get, I don't know. I, I, I think <clears throat> you know, like <clears throat> some of the key things that we had happened to us with, with some of our guys and, you know, obviously you know, Anthony Rizzo got off to such a good start for us the first six weeks and then had the collision with, uh, Tatis and you know at the time he missed a couple games just with a stiff neck but we didn't think much of it and fit because physically he was so good but to look back um, you know where he was playing probably you know another six eight weeks where he was a shell of himself and we couldn't figure out why and you know to realize that it was you know probably because of concussion related stuff um, you know that was that you know that that stings a little bit and hurts and and i say that with you know riz is actually still here in new york i see him you know i saw him the other day he's coming into the park he's in a great spot he's doing great he's in the throes of his winter and preparation for next year um so you know that but but i think overall it's like you know <clears throat> you have guys that went through tough years by their standards for whatever reasons, injuries in some cases, underperformance in some cases. So it's like what I'm thinking about is, you know, how do we get these guys, um, you know, performing at their peak? And so it's like, what are the answers in those regards? And how do we, you know, set these guys up going into the offseason? And so when we get to spring training, they're in the best possible position to go out and perform the way they're capable of. And so I think that's the biggest thing that, you know, keeps me, 
report that I think about or stew on the most and, and why I do try to have communication with pretty much all of our guys on some level, but specifically some guys that I've targeted that I feel like I need to stay in constant touch with to make sure you know they're doing everything necessary this winter to put themselves in a great position to perform like I know they're capable of. So that's kind of what I do from uh, with my players during the offseason is try and communicate to them to make sure they're in a good spot now, a few weeks from now, as we get towards the end of the winter, heading into spring training, that, you know, we put this year behind us and, and it turned out to be something that just ultimately was a log on the fire for, for us heading into next year. And that's where my focus is. Turning back to uh, the World Series, and I wish we—I I wish it was two-two now, so we we could have a better argument or a better debate or a better—you know—you get to three-one, and it's like, yeah, oh, shoot, three-one, and they got a Valde and Montgomery set up. Looks like kind of the writing's on the wall. Now I'll never say never, because I—if there was ever a time for for you to say never, it was that Philly series with Arizona after those first games of Philly. It's yeah. like. Arizona's got no chance on the face of the earth to come back and win this, and they did against all odds. Come back to Philly. I, I didn't even think they'd get back to Philly. You're right. It's 3-1 now. Uh, some things I've seen, you know, Scherzer's out. Garcia's out. Garcia's probably had one of the greatest postseasons in the history of postseasons. I look at Seager, though. Uh, wow. What a beast he is and, and how awesome has he been? There's been a lot of things. Evan Carter, I'm watching this Evan Carter kid. He's 21 years old. Reminds me of Chipper Jones in that yeah, 95 we, season when he just showed up in the three-hole with poise. Yeah, that's we didn't see Evan Carter, you know, and that's – Man, you know, he's good. One of the things Texas has done really well here over the last whatever it's been now, five years, where you're, you're a big market team that's financially – a big player. So when you strip it down for a couple of years and now you're able to, okay, we're going to, we're going to go through a little bit of a rebuild here and, and they've hit on obviously some really important pieces in their minor league system. So the young and the Carters and these guys have come up and become integral parts and in not only right now, but moving forward, like they're going to have, they're going to be cornerstones of this team and, you know, sprinkled in with now they've gone out and, you know, added the big, the, the Simeons and the Seegers of the world that um, are going to make them viable for a long time. But yeah, Carter, his, his, his lack of chase um, He's unbelievable. <laughs> is, is, is really impressive. And to watch him get down the line is athleticism, like to strike, you know, to have that athleticism on top of just unbelievable strike zone discipline is, is a pretty powerful combination. I mean, he is, to me, I remember, 95, Chipper Jones shows up. He's this kid, number one pick. And, and you remember those Braves teams, how good they were. They just threw him in the three-hole. And I'm watching, yeah, you're going to hit third. And the poise he showed, I was just like, I can't believe a kid that young on that good of a team. And you just plug him in right there and he's better than everybody else. That was impressive. I'm not saying Evan Carter's better than Seager. But wow, the poise he's shown on that the biggest stage at the age that he's at, you know, that that 
it just it says nothing other than this guy might have a really good future. So it's cool to watch. Um, okay, I'll never say never. I've said never several times with this Arizona team. But how many times can you come back? Aaron Boone, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch unis with you. You're in that clubhouse now. You're the Arizona skipper. You're down three to one. You got one more game at home. Hopefully, you push it back and you get to go back to Texas. What are you saying to them today? Um, first of all, you you've had recent, very recent experience of being in this almost exact situation. Like you were up against it, like nobody in the world thought you had a chance going back to Philadelphia to win two games. So that recent familiarity is is comforting and. You know, also for a lot of these guys, and I, I think, you know, the poise we've seen from these guys throughout the postseason has been tremendous. So I don't think I'm saying much of anything other than let's go have fun and play the, play our game. Let's, let's, let's try and grab a lead here and go play our game. And, and as we've seen just in the last series, in the championship series, anything is, is possible. And and you know if you can win a home game and finally beat the Rangers on the road, <laughs> um, you get them back. Uh, you get them back in Texas where they seem to be uh, less powerful. You know, <laughs> it's been it's been the road warriors uh, this this postseason. You know that's been been on display. So my message is let's go out and not only just win one game, but let's go just play our game and 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 live in the moment of pitch by pitch, you know, let's go win, win every pitch, win every play. And, and the biggest thing I always tell my team, not only at the start of the season or different times throughout the season, but certainly in the postseason is the next play is so important and you can't get bogged down by a success you just had or a mistake you just made. You got to keep moving, moving forward. Um, but I don't think there's any big message other than let's go win a game. We've done that all year. Let's go win a game. And now all of a sudden, uh, as we've seen here recently, anything is possible. And uh, I, I don't think his guys are going to go out there and, you know, play any different or, or be tight or anything like that. They've had their backs against the wall. They're playing in the World Series. And, you know, I think there's, there's probably even some comfort in that in like, hey, Anything's possible. We're we're on the biggest stage in the World Series. Let's go have fun playing this game. All right, we'll see you in about a uh, about a week now. Uh, That's right. You that don't know my my daughter Savannah, my oldest is getting married, so we're gonna have uh, well. From what I hear, we're gonna have a big party. I think in in, <laughs> in in a week. So looking forward to you coming out, Arn. Uh, I appreciate you coming on the show for all of you out there listening to the Boone Podcast or now on YouTube watching the Boone Podcast. I appreciate you tuning in, and we will see you next time. Thanks, Arnie.